G'day, mates. Welcome back to Watch Once Never Again, the podcast where we just live to traumatize ourselves so that you don't have to. I'm Dax. I'm Mary Beth. And I'll be your tour guide uh, on this trip to the land down under. <laughs> Can I you stop got... now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, did not, you didn't have to start. <laughs> Um, this week we <laughs> are talking about, um, just one of the, one of the, like, cruelest movies we've watched so far, would you say? Are you yeah. still laughing? <laughs> sort of. Yeah, a little bit. Um, it is one of the cruelest movies we've watched so far. 100%. A very difficult watch. It is Mary Beth's pick, of course. <laughs> Fuck off. What does that mean? <laughs> Hounds of love. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> and no, not the Kate Bush song. <laughs> I um I made that joke about this being your pick, but you just wait until we get to probably the next director series. Yeah, I was gonna say. Alright now. Yeah. Um, so yeah. what made you choose this movie? Well, so <laughs> recently I wrote an article about, um, movies that were inspired by true events and I, you know, doing research for it, I came across Hounds of Love and I watched this a couple of years ago and really, really enjoyed it. Um, and which will make you question my sanity uh, at the end of this episode as we talk about this movie, but, um. <laughs> I really, really loved it, despite how absolutely fucked up it is. And then I was doing research, thought about it again. I was like, I really want to talk about this movie in the podcast. And then we somehow share one brain cell and decided to talk about Australian horror films. So I had to pick this one after the loved ones. This one is a lot less fun <laughs> than the loved ones. This one is much more brutal and upsetting. Yeah, it really is. It's no pink, no no Lola, just some really fucked up people having a fucked up time. Yes. Um, yeah. Where can people find that article? Um, it's up on Slash Film. Coolio. Yeah, so Ali can link that in the show notes if I can find it. Um, I don't think I don't know if it's published yet, but yeah, I wrote about a bunch of those movies, and I was like, "Fuck, I really want to rewatch Hounds of Love." I don't know why, because it's not a fun thing to watch, but I really want to watch it again and talk about it. Because I saw it and was like, "There's no one I know that can talk to me about this movie," <laughs> except me, except for you. I'm glad you chose this movie because I think I said, I don't know if I said it on the podcast last week, but I really disliked this movie the first time I saw it. And then this time, I appreciated it a bit more. So I'm glad I rewatched it. I'm we'll very glad to that. hear that. Yeah, so let me read the synopsis of the film to get everyone up to speed before we start really talking about it. Um, so yes. Hounds of Love is from 2016, and it is directed by Ben Young. Um, so in the film, Vicky Maloney is an intelligent and charismatic teenager inwardly struggling with her parents' recent separation. She spends the weekend at her mother's house in the outer, in outer suburbia. 
After a heated argument between them, Vicky defiantly sneaks out to attend a party and is lured into the car of a seemingly trustworthy couple, John and Evelyn White. Spoiler alert, they are not. Vicky soon finds herself held captive at John and Evelyn's house where she is forced into a dark world of violence and domination. With no way to escape and her murder imminent, Vicky realizes that she must find a way to drive a wedge between the couple if she is to survive. Vicky tries exploiting Evelyn's desire to see her absent children. Unfortunately, John's emotional hold over Evelyn is too strong and her efforts to turn them against each other only fuels Evelyn's will to see her die. Broken and tormented, Vicky accepts her fate may soon lay at the bottom of a shallow bush grave. Vicky's desperate mother, Maggie, will stop at nothing to find her missing child and, en and enlist the help of her estranged husband, Trevor, and Vicky's boyfriend, Jason. When Maggie's search eventually leads her to John and Evelyn's street, she calls out to her daughter in vain. Hearing her, Vicky finds the strength for one last attempt at survival by forcing Evelyn to realize if she ever wants to see her children again, she must break free from John's evil spell. When John attempts to strangle Vicky to death, he is stabbed to death by Evelyn. Vicky escapes from the house and defiantly walks past the knife-wielding Evelyn who allows Vicky to pass. Driving away, Maggie sees the bloodied Vicky in her rearview mirror. She stops the car and is reunited with her daughter. So um, this is actually... Loosely based on the crimes of the Birney fan, the Birney couple, um, David John Birney and Catherine Margaret Birney, who are from Perth, Western Australia, where this film takes place. Um, it takes place in 1987 when they were also committing murders in that area, and they uh, were known to abduct women between the ages of 15 and 31 and raped and murder them in their home. And then this film is loosely based on their final victim who actually escaped and led to their arrest. So it's kind of loosely based on that whole that whole saga of their really horrific couple. It seems pretty closely based on it. But... Yeah, it's just loosely, <laughs> but it really is closely based. Like Kate, um, Kate Moir is the was the seventeen year old who was abducted by them like actually abducted by them and it kind of was like a very similar situation yeah i guess maybe just you know legally they have to say it's loosely based or something yeah but when when you try to google it the first thing that comes up is like this isn't actually based on a true story ben young like like to read like true crime or some shit like that I was like, I remember this story, so I don't know what this is yeah. about. But something that is interesting about our one shared brain cell mm -hmm. that came to me when I was watching this, it's not, like, important at all. So if you think I'm going to say something smart, I won't. <laughs> uh, but for, like, two weeks before watching this today, um, I had the song nights in white satin by the moody blues stuck in my head and i kept listening to it like over and over weird yeah and then this this you pick this movie and i watch it today and i'm like oh no i just got it out of my head <laughs> and it's Oops. like blasting in the movie Oops. that's crazy right that is crazy like how many times do you ever think of that song <laughs> literally never never well now you will be yeah, exactly it's a good song um now it's like nightmarish 
when I hear it. Wait, hold on. Is that the song when she's putting on her shorts? No, it's the song when they first, like, when she first realizes they're going to kidnap Oh, her yes, yes. Okay. Oh, when they're, like, creepily, they're like. dancing. Yeah, and she's sitting there, like, drugged. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, it's that song. Um, so, okay, tell me why you didn't like this film when you first saw it and what kind of changed your mind. It wasn't anything specific. I just thought it was boring when I first saw oh, it. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. I don't, okay. I don't know how I got that. From I don't my... know how you got that either. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. I think that I remember when I first watched it, I was, I was like, uh, I thought it was, it's like weird because I'm not someone who's like, oh, this is too violent. But for some reason, when I was watching it, I was like, this seems to like almost revel in the violence. And I don't think it does it on purpose. And I don't think that now. Yeah. But at the time, I don't know if I was like in a bad mood or something. Uh, Okay. Yeah. But yeah, just watching it, I was like, this is like too violent. I don't feel like seeing this girl like get attacked all the time. Like. Uh, you know, I, I thought it like, I don't know. I just found it like, I found it like boring and almost somewhat like melodramatic with, uh, Evelyn, like, I, which okay. I know doesn't make sense, <laughs> but we'll see. I see what you say with the melodramatic stuff, but I see it more with the mom, Ma- Vicky's mom rather now, than Evelyn. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now for sure that I would agree with that because she is like really over the top. Well, that whole fucking plot, whatever. We'll get to that. <laughs> but I thought, I think, I think what bothered me the first time, and not so much now, was like uh, Evelyn's fixation on like getting her kids back, and um, you know, just her dedication to John. And I don't know. I maybe it just put me in a bad mood to see that, mm-hmm. and it kind of soured the whole movie. Okay. But this was also years ago, like when it first came out. So I can't really remember, but I do distinctly remember thinking it was boring. Okay. Which is just wild. That is wild to me, but hey. It's just, it's like so deeply upsetting because it's like, it's very much a very realistic, like very unfortunately realistic. Well, hopefully, I don't know if it's actually realistic, but seemingly realistic, like kind of portrayal of what an abduction and torture and attempted murder looks like of a person, especially by a couple who have their own wild dynamics going on. And it's just very harrowing, these weird power dynamics and who's trying to be like, it's this power. The whole movie is a power struggle. And that's really weird to watch between a couple and a 17 year old girl. And it's just really disgusting. And the seven um, Ashley Cummings plays Vicky, and she's really good, like scary good, with her yes. like screams and the like. Who, who boy? Yes, and whoever did her her makeup towards the end, oh, they they did too good of a job. <laughs> well, something I noticed that this time about her character was that around her mouth, it's covered in bruises. Yes, that's and, like, actually what I was thinking. Yeah, like I didn't really notice that when I first watched the movie. I was like, why does it look like that? But this time I was like, oh my God, her mouth is covered in bruises. That is disgusting. Like what a gross, harrowing, realistic, but just 
oh, when you notice a detail of this film, I've just like her face is so bruised and her mouth and it's just so gross. Yeah, she she does a really good job in this and um it's it like breaks your heart, right? Because she's like the typical well, the stereotypical like teenager who wants to go to the party and she sneaks out and then, you know, in your mind you like in my mind I was like, damn, she should have just stayed home. And then later on in the movie, yeah, uh, Evelyn is like, see, if you had just done what your mom said and stayed home, you wouldn't even be here. I was like, damn. Then I was like, do I think like a serial killer? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I because I, she was just doing what like a normal teenager does. Like, obviously, she wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to get kidnapped and tortured. Yeah. And like... So the thing that I think annoyed me a little bit more in this watch than the first time I watched it was like the playing up of the motherhood aspect in this movie that I didn't really feel was necessary. And what I mean by that is like, you know, Vicky, there's a lot, there's context given to give to Vicky as a character. Her parents are separated. Her mom's kind of an asshole. Like their relationship was fraught, whatever. But then like, all of a sudden, when Vicky goes missing, it's like, oh, look at her mom. She really does care and wants to find her. Like, okay, yeah, obviously you want to find your kid. But then it's like, I don't know. It all of a sudden becomes this, like, redemption story for the mom in a way that I didn't really need or felt was necessary. Like, it was a weird shift in focus. And I guess it runs parallel to, like, Evelyn's own story about wanting her kids back. But that also annoyed me because I feel like it's always, like, the mom. It's always, like, if there's a woman in a film, in a couple, it's always about getting her kids back. You know what I mean? Or like with her kids or her wanting to be an actual mother. And that always, bo- I don't know why that bothers me. It's just, it's just like, come on, we get it. Yeah. I, <laughs> well, I didn't think that Vicky's mom seemed like an asshole at all. Oh, I think, really? no, like she didn't seem like an asshole to me. Like she just seemed like a woman who like realized she didn't want to be married to this guy anymore and left and everyone got really mad about it. I don't know. They're going to have to deal with it. Like she doesn't want to be married to him. I don't know. But yeah, I uh, guess I just like, it felt like more their like the interactions between the two of them were like weird. And the mom was a little bit like spiteful towards her daughter. But I guess at the same time, like Vicky was also treating her like shit. So it's like, a, I guess it's a defense mechanism in that way. I, I didn't think her mom seemed spiteful at all. I huh. I didn't get that from it. I more saw like Vicky was being an asshole and she was like bitter that her mom left and her mom's like, I'm just trying to make the best of this. I only see you twice a week. Like I made this food that I thought that you liked, you know? And yeah. it just seems like her, her mother couldn't do anything right. Like no matter, even if she did the right thing, Vicky would have said it was wrong. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? That's what yeah. I got from it. I don't know. Maybe she was an asshole. I didn't think so. It was actually weird to me to have to like get used to uh, the fact that the dad was not the asshole in this one. I was like, now which of these parents is supposed to suck? <laughs> <laughs> but something like I see what you mean. I don't. I didn't think very deeply about it, but I did appreciate that they. I guess pointed out that um, 
Evelyn and John, right? Yes. Used, you know, Evelyn's, I mean, existence as a woman, but also, like, her uh, image as, like, a possibly motherly person to, like, lure in young girls. Yeah. Like, they purposely put that car seat in the back of the car so that when they pass a girl and they're like, hey, do you want to ride? She'll look in and see the car seat and be like, oh, this is safe. And that's what I was texting you about because I feel like I remember hearing that about, I thought it was this case, now I don't know, but um, where they purposely were like putting baby stuff in their car so that people would trust them. You know, I like that aspect of it, but did it have to harp on the whole mom thing? Probably not. But I guess it gave Evelyn, like, a reason to uh, eventually, like, stand up to John. Yeah, true. But yeah, I mean, I know what you mean with the mother thing. I guess I just get, maybe I'm in, like, a an angsty mood about parents <laughs> particularly <laughs> this week for for particular reasons but um uh i just i think another thing about this movie that i completely forgot about was how terrifying the guy stephen curry was who plays john white who is the terrifying man who is kind of the the manipulator of evelyn he is so slimy and so manipulative and it is just like this really how do I describe how he makes me feel besides nauseous but it's like the entire dynamic and the way that he performs this dynamic and the chemist the really weird toxic chemistry between the two of them which was like wild to watch as something that two actors can really capture on screen but and it's like they also do this really interesting thing of trying to give context about him having like financial pressures of, of having like owing money to people and having him be caught in this like cycle of violence and like socio- and socioeconomic status and all this stuff. And so it's like these weird bits of context that don't necessarily make you empathize for the characters, but give them a little bit more depth than just like complete psychopaths because they are complete psychopaths, but there's other things going on, too. And so, Yeah. I don't think she's a psychopath. You don't think she's a psychopath, Evelyn? No, I think he groomed her because when He definitely grew I think he groomed her, but I also think there's a there's a twinge of it in her a little bit. I don't know. I I think he like trained her to be that way because she said like when Vicky is like, "Oh, how long have you guys been together?" She doesn't say We've been together for 6 years. She says, "I've been with him since I was 13." 13, yeah. That's not a real like answer. Well, and, like, I guess when I say psychopath, I more mean him. Like, he, to me, is, like, the psychopath of the whole thing. And she gets is. And, like, she gets brought into that in yeah. a way. In he a way that, like, is. she gets almost drunk off of when he gets really, like, when he is in power and, like, exp- showing his kind of dominance, she gets, like, almost, like, love drunk off of that because that's when they start feeding off each other. Yeah, but it seems, yeah, but also she seems like repulsed by it so it's like weird because sometimes like he'll be like he'll hit her and then she'll start like making out with him or like she'll be listening in on him like trying to attack another girl and uh then they'll start making out or whatever but then at the same time 
I kind of got the impression that she was just very jealous. Of, yes. Of oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. that's why she would try to distract him with like making out with him or do whatever, you know, to like get the attention back on her instead of on the other girl. Because you, you do get the impression that, like, she is very uncomfortable with this situation. She would prefer that there weren't, wouldn't be a girl tied up in the room. Like, you know? Yeah, you know. It's it's a, it's a really fucking weird dynamic. And I thought, I, like, thought about it even more this time and how deeply uncomfortable it is where it's, like, obviously Evelyn doesn't want this happening. But she loves this guy enough to keep doing it. But he's a piece of shit. And it really does kind of portray it, it portrays like cycles of abuse really well and kind of like yeah. it's a, to an extreme level, of course, but still like what people will stay with abusive partners through and like what that looks like and what but also like what grooming and manipulation looks like and the way he has her wrapped around his finger and the way that he says things to her to make her feel like the like make her feel amazing and then also demean her. And it's just really gross to watch because like a lot of people have experienced that kind of grooming before I have. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it makes you feel so ill that anyone has ever spoken to anyone that way. But especially if you remember someone speaking to you that way, Mm -hmm. it's just. And he's such a creeper. Like he does this thing where like, he'll be like making out with um, Evelyn who I, who I kept referring to in my mind as evil Ellie Kemper. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> she does look yeah. like an evil version of Ellie Kemper, and sometimes she almost looked like um, Charlize Theron playing Eileen Warnos to me. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I see that. What was I saying? Uh, oh, when he was making when, he, when he's making out with Evelyn, then looks. Oh, at Vicky. he like looks at Vicky. It's so creepy, and then like he'll he'll so. Evelyn obviously doesn't want him to uh, sexually assault any of the girls. Like, I don't think because she she necessarily cares about the girls. I think that she considers it cheating. And um, she might care about the girls to some extent. But overall, I think it's a self-serving thing. Yeah. Uh, and, like, there's a part where uh, she walks in on him having just done that. And he's like trying to lie to her and say he didn't do that and that like he was cleaning the sheets or whatever and she's like you just you lie all the time like why are you always lying and then basically he talks his way out of it and then she like lets him go and he turns around and he winks at vicky oh yes is that he does that quite a few times that's that's when like he tries to rape he rapes her but she shits on him yeah yep because he has to clean the sheets and it's like a little white lie to get him out of it yeah and he he winks at her like that quite a few times Mm -hmm. and it's so creepy it's so like it makes he has a very punchable face he does have a very punchable face because he's not like a big dude no like he 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 is a very kind of like unassuming like scrawny guy who looks like he couldn't hold his own in a fight very you know what narrow I mean? shoulders yeah like he's just he's just like a small boy i was like if she just kicks him like one time he's down he's down but he was very menacing like in his 
mannerisms and, and stuff like that. Um, just not like a, a very big guy. That's all. Yeah. Well, and I think like, you know, he is super imposing and is this like really threatening figure in a way that is very strange because he is not physically, he is not immediately physically threatening. But what's also really interesting is how Vicky plays with their brains. You know what I mean? Like plays with his kind of ego, but also plays with Evelyn's own insecurities. And she's really, really smart in how she kind of like plants these little seeds in, in Evelyn's head. And it, it like, it culminates to a point where Evelyn holds a knife to her neck and is like, and you mentioned this, like you're always lying. You're always lying. Like you, she told me that you just bought the dog to replace the kids. And like, you know, she can, we really see Vicky getting into their heads, which is, I think, like, and even, which is what, what makes the story so fascinating is it's not, it's really violent, but it's also about, like, Vicky's own survival skills and more than just, like, a violent final girl, but, like, in this really interesting mental game that she's playing with them that is yeah. really fascinating to watch. Yeah, I agree. And she, she does a lot of smart things, like, um, you know, looking at the mail unfortunately that doesn't work out for her because they steal people's mail uh but you know like she she can see the mail like across the room and she they keep telling her she needs to write a letter to her mom basically saying like i ran away and she like puts a little secret message in there yeah and uh of course like her dad (laughs) her dad is immediately dismissive of the letter He's like, see, she left. Who cares? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And she's like, oh, it's fine. She's gone. And her mm-hmm. mom is like, this is not how human beings write. <laughs> <laughs> this is, yeah, exactly. This is not how human beings communicate. Do you think that Evelyn, because you know when um, Evelyn looks over the letter? Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you brought this up when like she takes a really long time to look at it. And, like, and she looks... keeps looking back and forth. Yeah. Do you think she knew? I was trying to th- I was thinking about that I I don't know part of me wants to say yes part of me wants to say that like she saw something in Vicky and was like maybe or like she had a suspicion but didn't say anything because she thought maybe this is her out you know what I mean like maybe she's looking for an out yeah maybe it could go either way really I like yeah. to think that because just before that, she says, remember, I'm not stupid, you know, yeah. and then they go out to write that letter. So I'm like, I like in my brain to think that she knew that Vicky was incorporating a secret message in her letter mm. and she let it go because then they both get out of the situation, but it's not her fault. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's an interesting Huh. I like that. That is really interesting. In my brain. But then, on the other hand, maybe she just didn't see it. Uh, and that's unfortunate for her. <laughs> yeah. The dog scene got me. Of course it did. I, I jumped so high. Because they attack the dog. And, well, he attacks the dog, and I don't like that. No. Just Lulu. Played by Lou. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, what a sweetie. Lou the dog. Cosmo calls every dog actor Larry. 
They're all named Larry. Your dog calls them Larry? Yes. Um, first of all, he can talk. Oh, okay. He, he has a southern accent. Ah, um, okay. He's a southern gentleman. Um, and he has had many jobs in his life. Mm-hmm. One of them is that he's like a celebrity because he's like a Grammy award winning songwriter. Um, he goes by the name Sia. And he he knows a lot of celebrity dogs and just celebrities, but um, all the dog actors seem to be named Larry, according to him. Oh, wow. Inside scoop. Yeah. So. From Cosmo the Beagle. It sounds, it sounds fake to me, but it does sound fake. But who am I? I'm not a celebrity. What do I know? <laughs> wow, that's an incredible mythology that you have built for your dog. It's not a myth. Pardon me. <laughs> Pardon me. It's all true. All true. Um. So okay. So I know that we mentioned like we were earlier. You talked about how it. You're, when you initially saw this movie, you kind of thought of it as, you know, reveling in the violence, uh, like the violence against Vicky. And, you know, and I was thinking about that in, when I was watching it and trying to remember how violent it was. But it, it is, it's interesting because this movie really actually, it's violent, but it's not as violent as it... Like it doesn't they, show you. It doesn't show you things. Like, it doesn't ever really show you when he's raping her there are these moments where they go in with like a case of sex toys, the two of them, and they don't really show what happens. You just know that you just see her covered in bruises and cuts and blood and it's fucking awful. And it it is so horrendous, but the movie doesn't want you to like really watch her body get brutalized. Like in the, and they doesn't want to kind of show you those horrific acts and it kind of leaves you, to think about it because there's a really interesting like parallel scenes in the beginning and towards the end in the beginning you see Evelyn cleaning up after they've had one of these sessions with a previous victim where there's bloody tissues on the floor and sex toys that she's putting in a bucket and she's cleaning up after their torture and then later there's a parallel scene where she's doing a cleanup but instead of the camera being on the floor and like all of the like the kind of leftovers of the torture on the ground it's the camera is focused on vicky instead and her face as she's talking to her and it's this like interesting kind of parallel shift of wanting to look at the atrocities they're committing versus wanting to look at the person they're being committed to or committed on and it's you know i think has an interesting yeah. thing there with violence and hyper violence and hyper and hypersexual violence against the female body i mean i guess you could do that <laughs> Trying to make uh, a fucking cognitive, like a good point about violence in film, and this little bitch has to do her thing anyway. <laughs> well, I agree. I don't know where I got that from last time. Again, I feel like maybe I, I maybe got into a bad mood because this movie did start to put me in a dark place when I started watching it today. Yeah, and I feel like maybe that might have been what happened before. But watching it this time, I was able to, like, after years of therapy, I was able to, like, pull myself out and be like, nope, this doesn't have to, like, go there. Uh, and um, I was able to just watch it. And there, it's, you really don't see much of the violence, 
even even the dog scene that I was saying, um, you don't actually see it, but you hear you hear all yeah. the violence. Yeah, that's a problem for me too. Well, that's the, that's the worst when you hear that happen with dogs, especially. I hate it so much. Yeah, but I mean, you hear it with you know whoever he's a- attacking too. Yeah. Ugh. But yeah, I mean, that's not, that's something I think. I was appreciating more this time more what's like, it's really fucked up. And like, you see the effects of it, like on her body and her screaming and kind of, you know, what's happening and you see him like kind of, he touch her, but nothing violent happens, but still every, every moment is just like so icky and oozes with this, like, it's like also it's tension and just like absolute disgust. And I don't know how Ben Young was able to make every minute of this movie disgusting, but without it being really like gory or graphic, but he sure fucking did it. We could cite, you know, the movie that everybody always cites when it <laughs> you think it's more violent than it is, Texas Chainsaw. Yeah. Oh, but like that, like I love that about a movie. When a movie like has a reputation like that but isn't actually that violent i just think that's so cool when a director can like accomplish that i do too it's fucking creepy and gross and awesome yeah it's such a testament to your directing because you're able to like upset people or or whatever you're trying to accomplish but let's go with upset people (laughs) without actually doing it like they're doing all the work for you exactly you're just suggesting. Well, because like in the Hounds of Love is such a mental game. Like the whole thing is a game and you're watching it unfold and you're not really sure how it's going to end up. And it's that's why another reason why it's so tense is like you feel this tension. It's like weird love triangle, like fucked up torture rape triangle is I guess it's a better way to put it than love triangle because there's no love going on in that situation. But just like watching that dynamic and that and this this time really had me like the first time I watched this I was like this is the fucking most intense movie I've ever watched like this is so tense especially when she first tries to escape and she like they're running around the house kind of chaotically and she's hiding and Vicky's hiding in the bathroom and runs out and tries to escape and you're like oh my god she's gonna fucking do it oh my god she's gonna finally fucking do it and they catch her at the last minute and I that was worse than any jump scare I was I, I and I, it got me this time even though I knew it was gonna happen it was just like Oh my god, it's like the the worst release of tension. It's like the opposite of cathartic. Yeah, there must be a word for that, but I agree. That scene is so like horrible, but in a good way. Cuz you know horrible. she can't. You know she can't because there's still like an hour left of the movie. I know, but you just you know you just always you hope. You're like, "Oh, maybe there's going to be something like weird happening." I don't know. Cause you just, you're so invested in her getting the fuck out of there. And like what the movie does well too, is making you care about Vicky without spending like too much time on her, but also showing like she is a regular kind of shitty teenager who like sneaks out and like has her boyfriend write her homework for her and like buys drugs. But like, she's just like another kid. It's not anything like terrible happening. She's just an ordinary girl, like going through, going through some like shit. I don't know why when you just said that it made me think of <laughs> that song Ordinary Day by Vanessa Carlton. Oh, great. Yep. <laughs> just today, just stand ordinary yes. day. Just jo- anyway. 
I think the like it's hard. The thing that's like hard to talk about with this movie is just like the whole thing is just like a punch to the face. Yes, and you're for almost it. two hours, you're watching this young girl. You're watching this young girl go through the most traumatic experience of her entire life. You're watching another woman try to unlearn decades upon decades of trauma inflicted upon her while also trying to grapple with the fact that she's never probably going to see her kids again, especially as her husband continues to abduct and murder young women. And it's like watching her spiral down. And it's like those two characters are just so tragic to watch. And you know that Evelyn is like, it's not going to go well for her. Like you, (laughs) in most movies like this, unfortunately, it's just not, she is not going to get out of this and have the happy ending she so desperately wants. I didn't like really connect with it. Like, it's like, it, <laughs> this is a watched once never again, I think, because I feel like you get from it what you need the first time. And then yeah. it's not, it's not like compelling enough to me anyway to like watch it again. Yeah, I I like um, how you know uh, smart like Vicky is like she she is like if a final girl was like a real person. Yeah, exactly. Uh, who who makes mistakes isn't just like a badass, but then is also a badass. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I just think I don't know. I. I I thought it was, like, good this time, but I don't think I would ever need to watch it again. Like, it didn't give me that much. Like, what is it actually saying? You know? Yeah, that's true. It's like, I, I, I don't care if she let her go. I don't want her to get her kids back. Like, yeah. <laughs> You know, like she exactly. Didn't like herself. I don't. I was gonna say like, I don't think she's redeemed at all. Like, and I don't think the film wants to redeem her necessarily i think it wants you to empathize for her but i also think it wants you to be like she still sucks like she still is like letting this happen and actively participating in it yeah i think i think the point was more to be like look she's doing her best in this instance but she still sucks just like you said (laughs) you know what interests me they never really wrap it up but like he obviously is a drug dealer right like he actually yeah. is a drug dealer yeah and like or like at least he sells drugs to make ends meet and like that doesn't really come like really go anywhere because he owes his like weird drug dealer <laughs> who <laughs> looks like just any gay at the beach <laughs> <laughs> just any gay at the beach yeah he kind of has like almost like a rat tail too yep which i loved for him um He's like he's intimidating to John, so it is actually interesting, I guess, to see, you know, John, when he's at home, acts like he's like, you know, the king of the house, and you know he is waited on hand and foot by Evelyn, and he can just do whatever he wants, yell at everybody, smack them around, uh, rape them if he wants to, like whatever he wants, and then. When he's out in the world, he's just like that skinny, scrawny dude who sells drugs, I guess. Well, like, it's like an interesting kind of look at, like, also, like, a Matt. 
I, I feel like it could have been an interesting look at like toxic masculinity if there was literally anything else to it because there's obviously like some kind of like masculine like a masculine hierarchy going on with the guy being more muscular and tough and John being weaker and then John being John kind of having that perception of weakness takes it out on the women in his life and right. obviously and takes that and directs it into rape and murder because they don't really go too like I can't remember if they go too deep into like why he fucking does it he just fucking. Does I don't it. think they ever even. They don't really, really say. do. They don't. Okay. That's but he thought. obviously has some sort of like complex because, like he he is getting like, for lack of a better term, picked on, by, the other guy who I assume is, his like supplier or something. Yeah, he's probably like the dealer who gives the bigger dealer who gives the smaller guys money, and then they all owe him money. Like, as they push the product slash sell drugs, as they say. Yeah. So, <laughs> But it also looks like they're smoking all of the weed themselves. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, like, confused by <laughs> that whole thing. There are but some it... parts of it that, like, the context, like, I don't think are necessary. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really know. Like, I can kind of see what they were doing with ha- with introducing the, dr- the other drug dealers, but it doesn't necessarily go anywhere. So it's like you glean a tiny bit of information, maybe, but it doesn't give you enough to kind of feel. Yeah, super... like, what is the relevance? Yeah, exactly. Like, I would almost rather just, like, not know that about him and just have him be, like, a tyrannical, fucked up figure. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like, you know it's okay to include it but then like go somewhere with it exactly exactly like have it be a little bit more pointed in its inclusion and like what it's trying to say about you know toxic masculinity patriarchal expectations like what that means to men and how that that and how they take that out on those around them and yeah but as it is it just like you know they they pick on him kind of like they're like schoolyard bullies and then later the main drug dude just casually like peacefully comes to his house to like get his money <laughs> which yeah. I, did he even get the money like i know they steal mail to like you know see if anybody like sends card like money in cards that's like wild. that's what they're doing that whole time yeah yeah but i don't know if they ever actually get anything because he even says like when did everybody get so cheap yeah i don't <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he really got any money. Because, like, they didn't have any... He wasn't doing anything else. Yeah, and then the drug dealer just, like, leaves. And that's it. Never seen again. (laughs) Never to be seen again. It's just weird. It is very strange. Okay, so you kind of gave your recommendation. Like, this is something you probably wouldn't want to watch again. You kind of got whatever. You got all that you needed out of it, right? I think so. Yeah. Like, it's not like, you know, if somebody was like, hey, do you want to watch this? I'd be like, oh, no. You know, I'd probably watch it. But like, am I going to seek it out? Probably not. I don't yeah. think so. I agree. But I, I think it's more like I just don't think I can stomach it again. I don't think I want to stomach it again. I think I've seen it twice and I've seen the violence and the depravity twice. I don't want to see it again. And I cannot think of anyone in my life right now who would want to watch it even though i do own it on blu-ray of course i fucking do like all 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 good horror fans you buy the movie you saw once that fucked you up but you never want to watch it again but you have to own it just in case just in case you have to show everyone how cool and fucked up you are 
Yeah, or if you randomly get the urge to, like, traumatize yourself, and then you see it's not streaming anywhere, <laughs> you have it on hand. I, exactly. No, it's so funny when my friends come over and look at my shelf. They're like, what are any of these movies? And I'm like, it's not even impressive, because you guys don't fucking know what any of these movies are. <laughs> Just like, who, what is this? I'm like, it's this obscure Australian, like, torture porny movie. And they're going to be like, why would you own that? And it's like, well, why are you asking dumb questions? Of course I would own that. <laughs> Do you know me? No one even, like, looks at my movies. It's so sad. I know. I'm always like, but look, I put them on display. But no one knows what they are. <laughs> Except for my criterions. People do. I know my, my friends are just movie people enough to know that the criterions are special. Yeah, people do look at those. But then everything else, they're like, all right, relax. Like, look, look at this. Look at Vinegar Syndrome. These like limited releases that you would ever see anywhere else. And it's like about like what the suckling about the like abort mutant aborted fetuses. And they're like, what the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> they're like, okay, we're doing game night at <laughs> Larry's house. We're like, playing a board game. Like, what are you talking about, Mary Beth? <laughs> Do you want to watch this? No, Mary Beth, we don't. Yeah, my friend. A lot of my friends are not horror people, so it's very funny to be like movie night, and they're like, "No, you can't choose a horror movie." I'm like, "Well, what the fuck are we supposed to watch?" Oh wow, I'm blessed that like all of my friends are horror people. Yeah, like Steve, Steve is a horror person, but like most of our like, and you know, one of our friends will watch some, but a lot of our friends are like super scaredy cats. Oh no! Just the problem in my friend group is like some of us like go one like there's like certain horror avenues they we won't go down and by we i mean i can think of my friend renee specifically will not watch any aquatic horror movies and it's really painful for me oh, an aquatic no. horror movie fan yeah oh that's the wait why I'm calling her out i don't or, know she, she doesn't just... like them weird. <laughs> weird i was like but this one is good no aquatic horror films are so good she didn't want to see crawl Oh, but it's so good. I know. I'm going to watch that today. Hell yeah. Um, anyway. But yeah, I think I think if you are a fan of Australian like kind of extreme Australian horror cinema, I think this is worth watching. I think it especially if you kind of like true crime and serial killer stuff. It's interesting. It's yeah. fucked up. You're going to feel really gross after watching it, but it's really well done. Um so I mean it's streaming everywhere you can rent it if you would like to check it out so I mean proceed with caution yeah, it's not going to come streaming... with a stamp of approval like the loved ones that one is <laughs> yeah that's an amazing movie I was going to say um, for me when I tried to search it on my Roku it came up that it wasn't like streaming anywhere for free but that's a lie because it's oh. streaming on Hulu for free Oh, really? Well, why the yeah. fuck did I pay for it? I'm oh, well, sorry. that's fine. It's okay. <laughs> it's like $2. And I could have used my Blu-ray, but I wanted to watch it on my laptop. because I'm. Oh, yeah, you have it. You know what? That's another thing that we all... I don't even want to talk film about Film collectors it. need to stop. I don't want to fucking talk about it. It's embarrassing. <laughs> um, Yeah, I, I was going to just agree that, like, this hasn't... A weirdly, it almost feels like a procedural in tone. Yeah. I don't know if it's oh, because of maybe the color scheme or something. Uh, 
but it kind of almost feels like a procedural. So if you if you are into like extreme cinema, but you prefer it to have like a narrative structure, or like you just want to see something different, this would be a good choice for that. Yeah. And I a lot of people love this movie, so like, you know, just because I said I don't necessarily want to watch it again doesn't really mean anything. You should you should always check things out for yourself. Yeah, you and know? I I I do still love this movie. So, next week. Next week. I didn't reveal to you what I chose. No, you did not reveal to me. I'm very excited. This is a live a live reveal. So, I'm thinking on our trip down under. <laughs> uh, we might take a pit stop. Would you mind? I wouldn't mind at all. Where are we stopping? If we stopped over in New Zealand. <gasps> I would love to stop in New Zealand. What's in New Zealand? Well, I was just thinking, like, you know, I just had surgery, so I'm, like, in recovery. I just need something, like, easy. This movie was very heavy. It was a lot. (laughs) So I'm thinking something fun again. Okay. And what is more fun than Peter Jackson's Dead Alive? I'm so excited. I've never seen it. Really? I've never seen it and I've I've needed it. I've I've like it's been on my list and you're finally giving me an excuse to watch it. I'm so fucking excited. It's so gross. I know. I'm so <laughs> excited. I know it's so fucking dis- I cannot wait. I don't like know anything about it other than it's really fucking disgusting and I'm ah yay. It's fun though. So cool. That's what I've heard. I've heard it's disgusting but fun. Like it's kind of like it's a horror comedy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yay. For I'm sure. so excited. You got just like Sumatran like rat monkeys or whatever the fuck they're called. Mm. Just a lot. Hell yeah. You're going to have fun. You're going to have a good time. Fuck yeah. Back to the fun. Just just for like while I'm in recovery. Then we'll go dark again. Yeah. No, I get it. I understand. Need a little bit. Something light. <laughs> I don't know if Dead Alive would be considered light, but. I guess in, 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 in comparison to the subject matter we did this week, then it definitely is light. For sure. So, everybody, that's your homework. Watch Dead Alive, also called Brain Dead, depending on where you're from. Um, Do it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, so thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Watch Once Never Again. Um, if you have a suggestion for a movie that we should watch or a director that we should cover in our next director series, send us an email at wonapodcast at gmail.com. And uh, you should be following the podcast on Twitter at wonapodcast. That's at W-O-N-A podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter. I am at M.B. McAndrews. And I'm at Daxi Bobbin. So thanks so much for listening, guys. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you.